and we are recording. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Recording, Recording in progress. The one and only Mr. Roger Williams, author of my favorite book, The Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect. That link will be in the description on Sunday, April 2nd, 2023 at 622 p.m. Eastern Time. Guys, if you want to support the podcast, you're watching on Rumble, click that little red button. That's Locals. It's like Rumble's version of uh, Patreon. You throw me a couple bucks a month for exclusive content and other shit. And uh, Or if you want, you can see Roger's wearing it. Back up is the merch store. It's been dead for about a year and a half. I've jumped through all the legal loopholes. I found all the old <laughs> documents that I thought were gone forever, tax codes and EIN numbers and all that shit. It's back. It is the top link in the description because some of y'all are cool and you just want to give me a couple bucks and whatever. Most of y'all are rational humans, and if you're going to pay, you want something in return other than content. You can get dope hoodies or shirts or whatever. You can support the fucking show. And Roger, introduce yourself and berate me for not seeing anything past John Wick 1 as I post the live link to the show. (laughs) Well, I saw John Wick 4 in an AMC Prime theater last Sunday. Uh, dual 4K project, laser projectors, rumble right. scene, right. right. super duper sound. Yeah, and uh, and it rocked. <laughs> I've, I've only and unlike seen... t- unlike two and three, it has an ending. It does. Well, I, I I read I read the I read the plot a little bit last night. I know it. I figured that's I figured it would. But... Yeah. So uh, so that was nice too because my dad was like, "Well, is this one going to have an ending?" And it's like, not it has an ending and it has a post credit scene. Okay. So, which none of the others did. I, I did. Spoiler alert for everybody listening, because I've only seen John Wick one. Um, and if anyone else is dumb mm-hmm. enough like me to have not seen him, I was reading the plots last night, and uh, I was watching the scene at the end of two, when he's in the Continental, and he's like, "John, uh-huh. just walk away." Yeah, John, just boom, and he goes, "What have you done?" And all the comments are, "What have I done? I've set up movie three. <laughs> and, <laughs> but John, and, and, what and, and, have you done? And everybody in the world turns out to be a member of this Assassin's Guild. He's just walking down the street, oh, and every yeah. single person the is high watching table him. now, and they all turn and look. <laughs> that was such a fucking great ending when he starts running and the paranoia starts kicking in. Like, who's just looking at him because he's running, and who's a? Uh, that was yeah. that was I think the but, only time I've seen Wick scared. But it's a it's a it's a beautiful series because all four movies they're 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 basically movies made by stunt people, so. It's it's like the the integration of the stunts and the and and the action sequences with the story is just seamless. It's perfect. Well, what I've heard from everyone that you know, guys like like Dale or something that have watched the movie, they all say it is like the most accurate in terms of weapon handling. Like I don't know, oh, yeah, I well, don't know shit about it, but that's, that's Keanu Reeves. Yeah, that's that's him right there. He's yeah. he's he's the guy. He wants to make sure every every little detail. Is yeah. perfect as yeah. far as weapons handling, and and he was like that on the set of the Matrix. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I mean, and I have a coworker who is a big time gamer. He's done like all the major games. He can he can chew your ear off for eight hours about 
this this was the best video game of this era and the 90s and then this was the best one in the early 2000s and all and he's never seen any of the john wick movies and i'm like dude what the fuck (laughs) they are they are they are actually incredible like they really are i just love uh, i love the dynamic i just love the dynamic of the there is some i was just i was re-watching some clips from one last night there really is something great about like even the cop at the front door John, mm-hmm. hey Jimmy, are you working again? Just sorting some stuff out. <laughs> you have, then, a, you have a good night, then, John. You too, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, and then just like all this over a puppy. It wasn't just a dog. It was a car. It was who you did. Did you hit my? Did you strike my son? Yes, I did. He took John Wick's car. Oh, yes. Shit. He's not the boogeyman. He's the guy you hired to kill the fucking boogeyman. <laughs> Baba Yaga. It is. It is. So, yeah. But yeah, enough enough John Wick fanboy. So we have some stupid rock tricks here. They're not stupid, okay. Roger. How dare you? All right. Uh, let us start. Actually, we'll probably finish with silicon dioxide. Okay. Your basic quartz crystal. Okay. This isn't the biggest one that I have. It's just the biggest one that I felt like hauling into the bedroom uh, or the office. That used to be one. Uh, so uh, this is typical. This came out of the earth like this. No human fashioned these faces. Oh really? In fact, I have. Yeah. This is this 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 came out of the ground this way. Hmm. Entropy did that. Uh, I have one that weighs eighty pounds, and I took it to work twenty years ago to weigh it, and uh, and of course it's like this too with the flat. Only they're a lot bigger. And my boss looked at it and said, oh, Roger, you did a great job shaping that thing. And I was like, I didn't do anything to this. This is how it came out of the ground. This is a crystal. That's what crystals do. Now, this is a sizable point by today's standards, uh, but it's not very clear. Hmm. This one is called a Herkimer diamond. Okay. And... It's very characteristic. It's this uh, short, stubby, uh, dual-pointed crystal. Uh, some of them have water inclusions. They come from a place called Herkimer in Pennsylvania. Thus, Herkimer Diamonds. I have uh, heard of this before. Sorry, yeah. keep going. And some of them have water inclusions. They're, they tend to be they're very clear. Okay. Uh, I used to have a much larger one. A, a lot of the stuff that I thought I was going to show you tonight has mysteriously disappeared. I think it got sold. Uh, but uh, because we do that. Mm-hmm. All right. So anyway, so that's quartz. That's silicon dioxide. It's the same stuff that beach sand is mostly made of. All right. Uh, what can you do with it, though? Hmm. This is elemental silicon. This is what comes out of the reduction furnace when they remove the oxide, the the oxygen atoms from silicon dioxide. And for the most part, they use sand for the source material for this process. But uh, this is the first step toward making a computer. So that's, did, did that come out of a machine? Yeah, well, I mean, this started as, basically sand okay, and so that, yeah. this this came out of a furnace that uh they applied chemicals to draw the oxygen off and it left just the silicon so okay. this is basically pure elemental silicon but it's not you know a neat crystal or anything it's not very pure it's just 
what's left when you take the oxygen out of silicon oxide. Now, this is a World is War One artillery ship. <laughs> it is actually a pure silicon crystal. Holy shit. What they do is they take this stuff and they melt it and do a bunch of magic with it. And if you look on the tip of this thing, there's a little circular feature. Okay. Mm -hmm. They drop a seed crystal that looks almost comically like the valve from an internal combustion engine into this vat of molten silicon. And they draw it up very slowly. And that's how this gets built. It's literally drawn up out of the vat of molten silicon. Now, the reason I have this is it failed quality control. So it ended up at a gem and mineral show. Uh, the reason I only have the tip of it, these are normally like four feet long. Oh, shit. They, 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 they don't stop here. Probably because starting at this point, it passed quality control, and they were able to use it. Uh, oh, okay. So this part, you know, obviously there are irregularities. If you see a good one, it's got a nice round okay. thing. It doesn't have these like irregularities here. I mean, this was this this looks like it came out of an engine that blew up at, at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so what? So what are those, for lack of a better term, what are those ingots for? For actually, they are called ingots. Oh, <laughs> I, I always thought ingots were like bullion bars. All right. Uh, no, uh, ing ingots are used for basically uh, raw mass of any valuable material. Uh, but the main thing about these is that they're extremely pure and they uh, are the right shape to do the next step with. Let me put this back on the ground. Ugh. So after you make one of those, you cut it apart into these. Wafers. Right. And again, the reason I have this one is that if you look at it, you can see that the coating isn't even. Something went wrong in the vacuum deposition process, and so it didn't pass QC. So I have this nice little flat polished silicon wafer here. Um, assuming that it hadn't failed at that step, it would go on to become oops, one of these. Okay. And you can probably, there we yeah. go. Okay. And again, this probably failed quality control uh, at some point, which is why it was at the gem show instead of in your cell phone. But that is how rocks turn into computers. Can you show that last one again? Can you maybe describe for people watching and for myself what what am I looking? So obviously it's it's All different right. than the polished one. What what are the the etches? Is that All right. what you're seeing is a little rectangular grid here? Yeah. Right. You can you catch that? Uh huh. Each each element of that grid is a future integrated circuit. Okay. Uh, this thing, if it had been finished properly, would then be cut up into little squares along the lines of this grid, and then.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. These little square elements that are maybe the size of fingernail would individually be mounted in a package so that they could be soldered in place on a circuit board and become part of your cell phone or something. I have no idea what integrated circuits this was trying to be, but it was just a cool demo of the process. So uh, I thought that was a neat little journey. It is no, that, that, no that's it's. I I always love that stuff of of seeing where it actually all comes from. So those when we're looking at wafers like that, and they talk about ever increasing size of, or you know, number of transit right Moore's law, yeah. and then the ever decreasing size, and we've yeah, I, the, yeah the, the the wafer that runs your computer yeah is much bigger than the ones on this the the, the, the that rectangular grid uh-huh. uh these these are medium scale. ICs. The the ones that run a modern computer are about a centimeter square, sometimes even a little more. Uh, these are much smaller. And the thing about that is that the whole process of making these is fraught with peril. Mm-hmm. Any a, a single speck of dust yeah. will ruin one of these. And the bigger each of them is, the more likely that a speck of dust will be on any particular one of them. So making larger integrated circuits, I mean, the, the wafers are going to be about the same size. This is this is the physical process. This is, you know, uh, they've been doing this shit since the 60s. Okay. But, uh, you know, it's doing it better and better and cleaner and cleaner and more and more steps. You know, it, it takes like 20 steps to make a modern IC uh, each of which has to be registered at nanometer scale with perfect precision uh, and in total cleanliness. The water purification. I've read a whole article on getting the water pure enough for the steps that need water is just ridiculous. I mean, there's an entire industrial plant attached to the industrial plant just to make really clean water. I mean, the fabrication plants for chips are, I mean, they're space age shit. Yes. Right. That's why Taiwan's so valuable. Is it's not they're not just another manufacturer. Yeah. And when they come out with a new process, they don't retrofit the old plant. They build a new plant because, uh, yeah, because you know the whole plant is built around the process and the number of steps and everything. What happens is the old plant stays in service though, and it goes into doing retro stuff. So you may have a fab that is obsolete by modern standards. No, you know, no one's going to be making chips for your PC in it because that's state of the art. But for other stuff that's not quite as demanding, they'll say, well, we have 160 nanometer fab we're not doing anything with. Yeah. Do you have, you know, and, and so you just go to them. Uh, Parallax, the company that uh, I use some of their microprocessors, they designed their own microprocessor in the early aughts. Uh, and they are what's called a fabless chip house because they don't have a fab. They basically designed the chip. So they made the masks and then they market it out. You know, they, they say, well, you know, they, they went to, I think on semi is doing their stuff now. And they're like, well, we need a 360 nanometer process. And they're like, we've got a fab that can do that for you. 
and so that the transaction gets done then they get they get these in these cool plastic containers i haven't been able to get one but they're all sealed up and shit and those go to the packaging houses as as wafers they'll, what they'll do is they'll test the chips while they're on the wafer and they'll mark the ones that fail then they'll send the entire wafer to a packaging house they will cut it apart retest the chips and mount them in the packages with leads and shit and seal them up so that they can be mounted on a circuit board and when parallax had their last products done the they had the chips fabricated in california and on semi but then they had to have the wafer shipped to china to package them because there wasn't anyone in the united states who could do the job <laughs> so <laughs> that's part of the wackiness of things nowadays um so I had a couple other things, but if we want to make your gaming thing, we probably ought to start the reading if you want to do the reading. Sure. So. Yeah. No. And I, I, I mean, I'm enjoy, I'm enjoying the. It's it's whatever you want to do. I'm enjoying the. I love yeah. I love Professor Roger. You are a you're a walking talking Wikipedia page. That's one of the things I love <laughs> is just having you on here and poking questions. That's yeah. Well, uh, I'll, let me do a, a real quick one. Then. Okay. So uh, yeah, getting keep, away from courts. Yeah, keep doing the rock. Right. No, I'm I'm loving this. This this is not a natural thing, but do you see that eye feature uh -huh. that kind of rotates there? Yeah. I, this was cut from a piece of fiber optic cable. So uh, if it was flat on each side, then what was on one side would jump to the other. Let's see. Oh, this is way. This is saturating my camera. No, I I, I can see it. it's lighting the fuck up. Yeah, you can. Well, you can't really you see can't, any features of the ball. Yeah, that's the problem. You can't really see how the dot is moving around. Oh, but, okay. Uh, you know, basically, uh, this thing is made of parallel light fibers running in this direction. Okay. Okay. So if it was not, if it hadn't been made into a sphere, you could put an image on this side and it would leap to the other side. Um, now that's man-made. This is not, um, I'm going to see, oh, there we go. I was wondering uh -huh. if I could get, yeah. it. this is called Ulexite and it is a natural fiber optic medium. Uh, it's sometimes called TV rock because if, uh, instead of making this into a sphere to get the cat's eye effect, uh, you had cut it flat, uh, you can put it up against a an image on a piece of paper and the image will leap to the top because the light will go in, go down the fibers, hit, hit either ink or paper and come back up. And so it'll look like whatever is on the paper underneath of it is at the top of the rock. The and, which is, yeah. Uh, and I was going to show you that, except that uh, we couldn't find any. So <laughs> um, let's see. What else did we have here? Well, I had some Labradorite. I know the Labradorite is not going to show very well. Let me see. Uh, dude, who cares? It's 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 the explanations by you. Uh, that, oh, there uh, we go. Yeah. You see that blue flash? Uh -huh. All right. This is Labradorite, and uh, it is actually a major uh, part of the Earth's crust. Uh, and the reason it makes that flash is that the crystal planes are at about the right distance to form a structure that acts like a hologram. So what it does is it takes white light and it refracts one color 
and makes that flash beaming it back at you. Uh, this, if I can, is it, all right, this is, uh, all right, there, yeah, we can kind of get the flash mm -hmm. there a little bit. The, um, the, the problem is most of this sh shows up best in reflection, and I'm backlit. Yeah. So well, it's, it's all, we're also on just the camera's never going to do it justice. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Labradorite is uh, notoriously hard to polish, but we have a pad, a sphere maker, uh, back when we had all of our uh, semi precious gemstone rough. Um, there's a story. Uh, did I ever tell you the story of the Astro Minerals liquidation? Vaguely. I vaguely remember you guys going to some sort of like yard sale or something and getting no, like... Right. So uh, we used to hang around a lot, you know, with the New Age community. Uh -huh. And, you know, we were mostly interested in the rocks and the minerals. But, the you know, in Louisiana, there aren't any rocks and minerals, or southern Louisiana. So we have to buy them. So we would go to the places that they had them and... So we ended up, uh, you know, I think, yeah, this is where I mentioned it was with the, uh, the you know, the um, spiritual shit and all. Uh, that was how we got into that. But yeah. we, we came into it more from the uh, gems and minerals. And the, in the early 90s, a company, uh, there was a company in New York City called Astro Minerals, and their founder died. And he had spent the entire 20th century going all over the world, collecting shit and shipping it back to his company in New York. And no one knew what was in any of the boxes. Well, when he died, no one knew what was in, in any of the boxes. So the heirs had this skyscraper basement full of rocks and they didn't know what any of them were. So after going through and, you know, Picking out the obvious stuff, they sold the rest of it for a dollar a pound. So we bought a 50-pound test box just to see what sort yeah. of shit we would get. One of the things that was in there was a seven-pound chunk of Labradorite. At the time, it was going for $40 a pound. Fuck. <laughs> Two eighty to one investment. Good Lord. So we bought a drum. 500 pounds and pulled a shitload of really great shit out of that in the end we ended up with ten thousand pounds uh i i i was having i was buying two drums at a time i would have them delivered to my workplace and use the forklift to put them in the back of my pickup truck and then <laughs> i would get it home and we would just open the bed you know pop the drums open in the bed of my pickup and start pulling rocks out That's it's like awesome. oh wow so uh, and most of that shit is gone. Yeah. But what we did is we sold uh, we sold a lot of it. We high graded it. We worked quite a bit of it. In fact, uh, this cabochon was one that we made. Okay, uh, we've done a little of that. Uh, and we also traded a lot of it for other stuff that we didn't get. There's the a there's a TV show that was box. never produced that you should have been on. <laughs> I'd 100 percent watch that shit. Just like yeah, just like Drum Hunters or some shit. Yeah, yeah, well, that sounds was... fun as fuck. It was. And, uh, you know, we, we had a couple of friends involved and, uh, you know, it was, it was like every time we, uh, we got another shipment, it was like, you know, Christmas. Yeah. It was like, what's going to be in there? Uh, cause yeah, we, we learned there was going to be a shit ton of Labradorite and, you know, I, I think we probably ended up, we spent 10 grand total. Uh, we probably ended up with twice that much just in Labradorite. 
and over the years we've sold it worked it you know did you know so we only have a few finished specimens left uh most of what we have left is agates and i had i do have a couple of those oh back to silicon dioxide uh i don't know how well this is no, showing beautiful looks like that's a, looks like the eye of uh, uh jupiter yeah this is lace agate and uh this is something that quartz does when it's not forming crystals with perfectly flat faces and shit. Uh, this is, uh, what did I do here? Um, this is also lace agate, but it's translucent. Yeah. You can see, so it's, you know, unfortunately it's not showing no, it's the actually, fine. It's actually really cool how it's coming through. There's like, there's like a bright, there's a bright patch like cloudy yeah. patches around it. There's actually a lot of really fine filigree kind of detail there that's getting washed out in the camera, though. Um, and uh, this stuff is real popular because it just makes real pretty pictures and stuff. Um, well, what all this is just making me think of is like back before you could have an, an 8K TV or a Rolls Royce, I mean, what what would royalty do? Yeah, this shit. Exactly. <laughs> like, there's that's the reason for like, you know, like a, like a pope's crown covered in, like that yeah. is that is the divine. Actually, and a lot of like the royal uh, the the royal uh, gemstones and all are not all that impressive by modern standards. It's turned out a lot of what they thought were rubies were actually other things and stuff. But, you know, back in the day, we didn't have the grading processes yeah. and, and, and the, the stuff that we do nowadays. Uh, it, it's really, uh, it's misleading because most people, you know, they got diamonds on the brain, you know, and the price of diamonds is hiked up artificially by oh, the yeah. De Beers monopoly. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's De Beers just, yeah, pumping uh, that shit out of labs. Diamonds are actually not all that uncommon. Uh, if you find a... Uh, perfectly transparent white sapphire. It is more valuable than a diamond of the same size because those are very rare. Now, sapphire is also extremely common. Rubies are one gem, uh, rubies are sapphires as well. And in all those, they're aluminum oxide. They're aluminum ore. That's it. <laughs> they're very pretty aluminum ore. Yeah. Um, speaking of ores, this is actually the last thing I've got to show you. Um, let's see. Mm. This is malachite. That's beautiful. And this is copper oxide. Huh. So this is actually copper ore. And a lot of malachite comes from copper mines. Uh, here's a piece that might show some of the patterning a little better. Wow. It, does. it makes all these pretty designs. And uh, my funny malachite story. Now, this is these are heavy. This is like this piece is noticeably heavier than a piece of quartz the same size would okay. be because of the copper. Uh, one thing I didn't realize until I was an adult, you just don't think of these things, is that the space between the atoms in matter is about the same for every form of matter. All right. No matter uh, whether it's a big nucleus or a small nucleus, a lot of electrons, a few nucleus, the interatomic distances don't vary that much. Huh. You know, by maybe two to one at most, depending on what you see. So, you know, uh, 
what makes a piece of matter heavier than another is the weight of its atomic nuclei. Yeah. Uh, and most of the things that we deal with in bulk are made of carbon. Okay. Because they're food or they're wood. Uh, if you think about it, very few of us deal with bulk metals. Um, like a gold or a uranium or... Yeah. Well, your next, your next step up is steel or iron. And so we have, we have at work, we have these uh, 50 pound pipe handle weights and they're about yay big. Okay. You know, about maybe half a cubic foot. And part of that is air because of the pipe handle. So you can pick it up. And uh, th th those have their weight. They're, they're a lot heavier than a piece of wood that size because of the iron atoms, but they are less than half the weight that a piece of uranium or gold would be of the same size. Uh, if, you know, the, uh, this sphere here, this piece of ulexite is almost the same size as the core of fat man. I was about to say, yeah. Oh, that's, that's, but that's it. This is because it was about the size of an orange. So, so this is very pretty close. And I, there's a picture of it in at work in the fields of the bomb. I, I think there may even be a picture of it in the plate section of uh, uh, the making of the atomic bomb. But the difference is this weighs about three pounds. Okay. The core of the atomic bomb made of plutonium weighed 50. Jesus. <laughs> I was thinking maybe like this 10. Size. Fuck. <laughs> then that's just like the pit. That's just the. Yeah. Well, that's the cool. That that's the and, core. And then that's... the actual thing is—is is it like bowling balls? Like, or is that—is that what you use to shield it when you're working with it? No. Like... The uh, the well, the whole bomb. You know that. This is the fissionable material. Yeah, that, that's the goodie. It's, that's the okay. That's that good. Uh, in order to compress it, you have a tamper. Uh huh. And I want to say the tamper on Fat Man was about a foot and a half. Okay, that's what I'm maybe thinking. Maybe in diameter. That's what I was thinking of. And then outside, and, and that's made of uranium. Uh -huh. And then outside of that, you have the high explosives. Explosives and the cordite and the silk <laughs> bag. and Yeah. Uh, smaller bombs require boosting with tritium. And mm. we talked about that when we discussed Putin. whether Vladimir actually has any work. And I, I'm, I'm now starting to think that that, is, that that episode is aging very well. I'm really starting. I'm really starting to think that they maybe have like two or three. If yeah, if I, mean, even. I mean, and if even, and you know, because it's just too easy to not do it. And for and, everybody, everybody, listen. Let me look up that episode right now for everybody listening. But I would, and when that when I say they have two or three, I mean they've probably since last year gone and yeah, made they may have least... actually gone and found a few and made sure you, that they had tritium you gotta them. have at least one or two so if you are gonna detonate one you can theoretically yeah. dispel i would the i would guess that before the invasion of ukraine they had zero no, no i think you're, i think you're right um episode 740 jeez that was a while ago 749 does putin have... <laughs> it's been a year <laughs> yeah i know i'm just i think i'm just kind of I've, i'm always just kind of blown you're wearing the same shirt but i'm just thinking that the, i'm just kind of blown away by the number of episodes like, that was 423 episodes ago does putin have functional nukes when we go into the or roger goes into the you know if, if we're looking at how yeah. corrupt the army is and if everything they're getting at the front is not then the long story short is it's a very expensive process to upkeep these weapons that you're never launching. And in a very corrupt mm -hmm. society, why not just pocket the magic gas and say, yeah, it's 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 functional, especially because it's fungible. 
tritium has all kinds of uses, particularly all of this uh, fusion research that they're doing for fusion power and all uses boatloads of tritium. Yeah. So it's not like you can't get rid of it if you want to unload it. It's yeah. it, it's it's a commodity. Uh, it's just a it's just thirty thousand dollars a gram. Yeah, and it's it's <laughs> it's well until now, right? With a kind of a war that's approaching global powers, is mm-hmm. no one ever launches a fucking nuke, right? They just right. Yeah. All things considered, hunky dory means that the, they just sit in the warhead. They just sit in the fucking silos for decades, right? Yeah. So how would you and, and, how would you know? And they have to take them out every eight or ten years yeah. and service them, and the servicing time- them costs. Half a million dollars. So. By the time someone figures out you fucked it, you're probably you've probably died or moved on and in a corrupt and poor country like that. Yeah, yeah, why don't I check under the magic box? Oh yeah, everything's good. And and the thing is, even now, you know, even now what Putin is rattling his nuke to, you know, because he's not things are not going the way he wants in Ukraine, mm-hmm. the Chinese are getting the side eyes, like you don't go there, dude. It's yeah. like, you know, we're we 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 got your back up to a certain extent, yeah. but uh, not not to the blowing nukes extent. They're you know every, everybody's like backing slowly away. Yeah, just... well, because that fucks <laughs> with the whole game. As yeah. I always say, you want to run the table, you don't want to flip the table. The, the Chinese did it right. I got to say, as far as as the the, the game of global nuclear war, they, like they built they built a couple of hundred warheads, just enough and, to yeah, fuck the world, which is enough to completely ruin your day <laughs> and. That's all they needed. They didn't have to, you know, tank their economy building ten thousand of them. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that that was. I got to give them props no, there. Yeah, they did it. They did it right. They have just enough <laughs> to trigger the worldwide cascade of retali- retaliation. Yeah. So yeah, it's like yeah, just yeah. enough to ruin your day so you don't you don't fuck with them. Yeah. And that's all it takes. It is really all you need. Is you really you need you need like ten. <laughs> really? I mean, well, you, you got to be sure you can get through the defenses. That's no, that's, that's a good point. You know, that's a good. So point. it's like you 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 don't know if all the missiles are going to actually work when you try to use them and yeah. all. So you want enough to make sure that you made your point after all the failure <laughs> modes are accounted for, no, which good. is another problem that Vlad has because, like you said, I I would believe that he might have leaned on some people and they might have maybe five nuclear warheads now that they can guarantee him are operational. And that's, uh, and that but, that would be enough if he detonated one. But that, then you've got delivery systems, you've got defenses, uh, and of course you've got the fact that the whole world is going to kick your ass in conventional ways if you oh, do something as stupid as using them. No, they're going to gangbang you. I'm just thinking like, from like a geopolitical power standpoint, you'd want there. So there's people much smarter than us are probably having this discussion of is are they functional? If I'm him. I want to detonate one and you're going to have people going, all right, they're probably detonating the only ones they have that work, but now it's a much bigger bluff to call to go. Yeah. Was that the one they have? Or I've I've noticed on, uh, on daily, daily coast, which, you know, a lot of fairly high powered people, particularly on the left, obviously, uh, read daily coast. And I put a, one of the few diaries I've ever put there that made the front page was on that topic right after we did the podcast okay. i wrote a diary for it and and there was a lot of skepticism in the comments and you know no one was you know he's like was no you've got to be crazy and i noticed about four or five months later that the front pagers 
were starting to qualify their statements about Russia's nuclear arsenal with things like however many they have that work. Mm. Well, it's, <laughs> and it's, no one was saying that at the start of the war. <laughs> no, I think you have a brilliant observation on it. I think if I had to take their side and be skeptical, I think it's because the bluff is so big to call. It, it, yes. It's the, and, it's the biggest. And I said, I said myself, it's not something that I would actually oh, you no. know, bet anything on. No. But uh, on the other hand, if, you, if you're down to something uh, th that is similarly catastrophic that you're being asked to bargain away, like an entire country, then is it worth the gamble then? Uh, you know, it, it's like, yeah, it's not worth walking up and kicking the bully in the shin just for the hell of it to see if he's got a working nuke. But if he's telling you, I'm going to decimate the population of this country that was a peaceful separate country before we invaded them, uh, and if you stop me, I'm going to use the nuke. On you or them, yeah. Then what, you know, at what point do you decide to call their bluff on it? You know, how many people does he have to kill? He's killed a metric fuckload of people, including a lot of his own yeah um, defenestration throwing him off roof and shit. <laughs> well there's that, too. that, that, that term. i was just thinking on the battlefield <laughs> oh no I, no I was just thinking in terms of his, his falling out of windows yeah and, yeah um you don't know how many of those people who fell out of windows are people who uh were sucking on the tritium or something. Oh, i'm sure <laughs> well didn't last summer like the ceo of bed bath and beyond jump out of his penthouse is that guy tied to russia I have no idea. That that's new. I think Bed Bath and Beyond just went went under because their business model is no longer viable in the face of Amazon. Amazon. Yeah, I think the CEO jumped out of. In fact, I was I was I was in front. You know, I I drove past ours in Mandeville this morning and store closing. Yeah, everything. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. No, I think he jumped out of his penthouse last summer, which is. Oh yeah, I I didn't hear about that. I mean, I just knew about the you know, of course you know that that was I heard about them in the course of the whole Wall Street bets thing because yeah. they were one of the stocks that was being shorted. Maybe it was the, summer twenty twenty one. That's an important. Yeah. That's an important difference. Um. Oh yes, <laughs> Bed Bath and Beyond. Um. Nope. September, last year. Okay, Bed Bath and Beyond he must have been feeling the pressure. Then. Gustavo Arnold died after company announces massive. Okay, so it kind of seems like that sounds like when they announced the wave of store closures. What well, also kind of said, it... all right, so it's kind of looking like, and he was maybe doing some shady. Well, why do you stay in a job like that? With a company like that, unless you're milking it for something, I mean, that's a good it's point. The whole... <laughs> that's a good point. Why are you writing Bed Bath and Beyond in the face of? Yeah. Um, but we're exactly at seven. If you wanna, if you wanna uh, transition, if you wanna, if there's time to do a reading, or we can keep shooting the shit. Well, didn't you say you needed to be free by seven fifteen? Or no, no, I said seven thirty. Uh, half an hour is gonna be a little tight to do. We can keep shooting the shit, man. I'm, I'm. I just want to give you. I just want to give you. I'm down for whatever. Yeah, let's let's wait till we got time to do it right. Gotcha. Uh, it's uh, like I said, it's it's. I'd hate to get cut off because it's the climax. Yeah, no, no, I got you. I got no. You got to do it right. No, I got you. Well, let's and, uh, let's well, yeah, so we, let's keep let's pivot back to what we were doing then. Um, yeah. Let's try to tie these all in then. So, how rare is something like silicon? Just like in in terms of like minerals and ores. 
Practically the whole Earth's crust is made of okay, it. Okay, okay. Well, that's just never mind. Well, that, that moots the entire fucking point I was going to try to draw out. I was just thinking of resource scarcity. Like Russia's, if I, yeah. they're pretty well rounded. South Africa, or not South Africa. There's, there's an interest. There's an interesting phenomenon, and this came up in one, on one of the discussion boards. Is that the mid periodic table elements uh, are the rarest. And uh, unfortunately, a couple of those are necessary for things like catalytic converters, which mm -hmm. is why catalytic converter theft has gone through the roof. And the reason for that is that elements lighter than iron are made in great abundance in supernovas. Mm -hmm. And for a long time, no one could figure out where the heavier elements in that came from because there was no model of a supernova that made a lot of anything heavier than iron. You know, it, a little, but not not enough to not enough to account for the amount that we have in the Earth's crust, for example. Isn't well, it like then, second wave supernovas or something? No, just a year or two ago, the Gravity Wave Observatory, oh, yeah. LIGO, caught a couple of neutron stars colliding, and this was different. You know, of course, they they practically they detected black holes colliding when the paint was still wet. Mm -hmm. You know, that was like that checked all the boxes and dotted all the I's and crossed all the T's and all their theories in one swell poop. But then uh, after they'd been running it for about a year, they got a signal that was a little different. And they recognized it as something they had predicted if instead of two black holes, two neutron stars collided. Now, the difference is that when black holes collide, you can't see it because they're black holes. But when neutron stars collide, you can see it because they're not black holes. That should make a very big bang. Uh, at the time this happened, there were two gravity observatories working. One was uh, one of the LIGO facilities in the U.S. and one of the ones uh, and, and the the one that they built in France. And by checking the timestamps, they were able to narrow it down to an arc of the sky, to a circle where it had to be. If there had been a third one, they would have been able to narrow it down to one of two points, but they could tell somewhere in this circle of the sky, there had to be something new. And all of the optical observatories in the world started scrambling to see if they could find anything that had changed. And within about 12 hours, uh, they found it. And uh, it was, you know, the spectra was just awash in these super heavy elements like gold and platinum. And they were, and they realized they were seeing this firsthand and they saw that this was a thing that happens. The physicists went to their scratch pads and go, you know what? Given the number of these and the incidents and blah, 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 this accounts for the incidents of all the heavy elements in the universe. Oh. Now the, the fun thing there though, is that when a supernova makes heavy elements, it's starting with light elements and fusing them together to make heavier ones. A neutron star is basically a big atomic nucleus yeah. that is being held together by gravity instead of the strong nuclear force. Isn't a teaspoon of it like 40 tons or something? Uh, worse than that. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, it, so, uh, yeah, a, a neutron star that is like maybe 10 or 12 miles in diameter weighs as much as the sun. Jesus. Uh, it is basically an atomic nucleus that is big enough to see. <laughs> now, when two of them collide, go boom, they spray bits of themselves out. 
And these bits of themselves are no longer big enough to be constrained gravitationally. So what happens is these bits that get sprayed out. Now, the main masses end up forming a bigger neutron star or a black hole. But the process of the collision sprays shit mm -hmm. out. and all. Okay, well, that spray starts to decay because gravity isn't holding it together anymore. And okay. neutron, you know, and, and a big ass mass of neutrons like that doesn't want to stay a big ass so mass it of neutrons. Going like, it starts going like down the periodic table. Right. So it starts falling apart until the pieces are small enough not to need to decay any further. Ah, that's <laughs> wild. So yeah, it's, just, it's falling down the periodic table. Yeah. And the uppermost shit is like the most yeah. state. Yeah, the first stable shit that gets formed is what stays. Then a lot of that is still radioactive and it decays. But uh, you know that that's where you get that's gold, wild. platinum, uranium. These these he the heavy elements that there's substantial quantities of in the uh, crust of the Earth and the planet and all are you know even more in the core of the Earth. The, the Earth is radioactive because of this shit, and that's what that's the reason we have plate tectonics. It's the reason we have life. Well, the middle of the periodic table is underrepresented here because yeah. you're not making shit heavier than iron, but you're not making that much shit that's lighter than plutonium, uranium, gold, platinum, stuff like that. Because once you get once once it falls apart to that level, it doesn't need to decay anymore. Uh, and so some of this mid periodic table shit, there just isn't that much of it. And some of that stuff is very chemically useful, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, it's... Which is why the dude is cutting the catalytic converter off your truck at three in the morning. Well, he's doing it for crystal meth, which is even rare. <laughs> um, yeah, that's. There's a funny meme of these two like white trash people getting married at a Walmart, and somebody commented, <laughs> "It was like, it was like, do you like you know." Susie Lynn promised to steal catalytic, catalytic converters <laughs> with Jim Bob till death do you part. <laughs> um, so then I, now does that, does that rarity, does that explain the rarity on earth or is it not that perfectly extrapolated is the rarity of those metals on earth? Is that more of just like the way the crust formed? Well, in the, the formation of solar systems is a number is, is one of those things. A lot of study has gone into and, uh, obviously, a lot of shit falls into the sun, never to be seen again. Uh, the process by which rocky planets form tends to attract uh, a surplus of that stuff. Okay. Uh, so uh, the thing, yeah, but then when the rocky world is young and mostly molten, a lot of it falls to the middle. So it doesn't stay in the crust, which is, uh, you know, again, the... Earth's core is, you know, got a nice little radioactive part there, uh, which has been going for four billion years to keep earthquakes happening, mm -hmm. <laughs> which, uh, which is actually a good thing. No, because it's, with... <laughs> it's our own little power plant, right? It keeps it's yeah. the heat that keeps everything fucking shifting around. Yeah, and and without plate tectonics, there's a lot of thinking that the Earth wouldn't have been stable enough for life forms like ourselves to evolve. Because... And, the, and the moon tugging on us gives us a nice little bit of friction. Yeah. And of course, this is the whole thing with the curators: is the curators you got to put the deliberately arranged for all this instead of waiting for it to happen at random. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I read about a year after the LIGO thing, I read a a, a paper 
or an abstract that said that they thought that they could account for most of the heavy metals in Earth's lithosphere by uh, positing two neutron star collisions. And they could say when they had happened hmm. and that they contributed to the cloud that in turn condensed to form the solar system. And this was based on the population of radioisotopes of the various heavy elements that had decayed since then. So there apparently are two populations of these heavy elements. And you uh, can look at the population of radioisotopes and say, well, these were originally uranium-235, 238, so many billion years ago. And so there was like two of these events that created the heavy elements that contributed to the solar system having uh, enough heavy elements to make the Earth. Um, and then, of course, the planet formation thing is, you know, once, once, a, once a planet gets large enough in the gas cloud, it starts attracting shit to it. Uh, grains of dust, preferentially, not, you know, there's a whole dynamic there that I don't pretend to understand myself. There's very smart guys who've studied it in detail, though. Would... And this is with this. This would just be with a continuing improvement in, I guess, instruments, telescopes, and I guess mm-hmm. space telescopes. Down the road with a, down the road with enough improvement, would would it would a viable or theoretically viable way to find life be if you could somehow get what the spectroscopy of a planet is? Mm. Like if you could find like heavy elements more naturally than they would be could you argue like I, they're like, already they're already working on it like well like like a life form is doing that yeah uh in fact they uh very recently within the last couple of weeks announced that one of the hot jupiters that they found has a surprising amount of oxygen and uh other heavy, you know to to astronomers anything heavier than helium is a metal yeah those are heavy elements and this uh, proto, this hot Jupiter that circles a red dwarf three to, every three days, uh, and is it, it like you know several thousand degrees Fahrenheit, but it has a surprising amount of these heavy elements in its atmosphere that no no one expected that. Uh, so, but that's the thing they're hoping to do is uh, not to just detect the fact that a planet occluded its star as in transit but to measure the spectroscopic mm. change to see what's in its atmosphere. Okay. And so, so that's you, one of the first times yeah. they've successfully done that and got a surprise. If you saw the, yeah, I guess if you see the light behind it with a strong enough thing, you could almost mm-hmm. see the, like a corona, if you would, of the yeah. actual atmosphere of the of the, the little tiny wispy sphere over the sphere. Yeah, what, yeah uh, there, it's actually a subtractive process. So what you have to start with is the baseline for the star uh-huh. And then when the planet passes in front of it, you're looking for changes. Gotcha. And right now they've been looking for changes in brightness, but that's the just how cool- they detect planets. Period, though, right? Right. Uh, the new coolness is they're looking for changes in the spectrum, which would reflect the atmosphere of the planet refracting light preferentially. Uh, so yeah, they're working on it and getting pretty damn good at it. You know, I I didn't expect to live to see any of this shit so when I was fine, your age. <laughs> yeah, fine, yeah, me neither. I mean, either. I mean, I remember when it was kind of a big thing that they were finding extrasolar planets. It was like this is, mm-hmm. and now it's just they're just like the catalogs, nineteen miles long, and it's just like yeah, there's fucking yeah. whatever. And the, I always love the super Earths and stuff, but that's another. 
But that's kind of wild. So we're almost kind of fine honing it more. And instead of just seeing that slight change in light and going something just passed in front of it, now we're going what's what's on the actual planet. Yeah, that's wild. Here's here, here's here's a thing for you that you may not have thought of. Uh, when I was a child, we did not know what the surface of any other world in in the universe looked like at all. I remember in seven in, in 1976 when the Viking, Viking landers yeah. landed. And that was the first time we ever saw the surface of another planet, like up close. Before that, I'm now the, seeing you in a whole new light of age. <laughs> before, before that, all we had was pictures. You know, you know, if Elf we were lucky, if it was something like Mars, we might have a close space flyby. But you imagine what you would see of the Earth if all you ever saw it from was 300 miles up. Yeah. Okay. That was the best we had of like even Mars. Of course, Venus has got the atmosphere, so that's you know nothing. But uh, the moons of Jupiter, the moons you know of Saturn, it's like none. All they were all dots. They were mm. points of light in the sky, maybe with a light curve as they rotated. And in my lifetime, that's gone from being, uh, you know, it's like I had a actually I had a kid's book about the solar system when I was about ten years old. And every fucking thing in it was a drawing. It was an artist's conception because no one actually knew what the surface of another world looked like. like and now we now we have actually got pictures of the surfaces of a bunch of videos. We've got radio controlled cars driving around on them. It's like when you read an old book, <laughs> like an old book, and then you just hear like a casual like racial comment and you're like, oh, oh, this is an old book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Upton Sinclair's oil and it opens with yep. his, his dad teaching him how to drive a Model T and it's like when you pass another uh, driver on the road it's a hair raising experience and you both have to move just a little bit to your right but every once in a while you'll get an inexperienced driver a drunk driver or worst of all a woman and you're like oh <laughs> oh this is 1910 <laughs> he doesn't even like dwell on it he just says it like that and then just moves forward. you're like oh this, this is an old book yeah, not, not like not even a concern. Just no, the uh, the crowd by Gustav Le Bon, and and these are the good guys. Yeah, no, I read, I read, these, I read the. Crowd. These are people who are fondly remembered by history for being. Oh, they were they were icons. They were like no, the crowd by Gustav Le Bon. You read, he's like you know talking about like propaganda for war and stuff, and it was written in like 1898. He's talking about like hysteria around like the USS Maine or Titanic, and he's like you know. He's like, these countries begin to act hysterical, almost like a woman. And you're just like, (laughs) this guy was like an esteemed. But point being, I wonder what the extrapolation then, what the, I keep using that word. What's the advancement from there? We start looking at the actual atmospheres of planets. I mean, would it be, you start looking at, I guess, like, like, would there be a way to detect even by proxy, like tectonic plate movement or... Well, the holy grail is to detect a world that has Earth-like surface temperatures and oxygen in its atmosphere. Because because oxygen in the atmosphere is a big telltale sign of life, because oxygen tends to react with everything. And if there's, just like Mars, okay, you know, know, the reason Mars is red is all the oxygen has reacted with this shit on the surface. Uh, And of course, the solar wind blew its atmosphere away which didn't help but uh that you know the that's the holy grail is to find a goldilocks world 
that you can show spectrographically has oxygen in his atmosphere, at that point, you have detected life. Okay. That's, that's going to be the general consensus. Now, getting there to study it is going to be a little bit of a problem. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean that that's that's not in our lives, but are we are we perhaps looking at it from our own my or or is it bio, biologically a certainty? But I I've always thought like are we almost are we narrowing our our view too much when we say it has to be in the Goldilocks zone and it has to be oxygen and carbon-based life form? Like is there another thing that we're not seeing there has been speculation especially in science among like science fiction silicon writers silicon and arsenic that, or arsenic. Uh, yeah uh but of, of all the atoms that have these really good properties carbon seems to be the really magic one and in combination with water because water is also a universal solvent so you know there you know you can imagine different chemistries but it would be hard, you know, unless you demonstrated them, unless you actually found the world that 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 showed them, it would be very hard to spec, you know, to say, well, we think because there's sulfur in this world's atmosphere and it wouldn't be stable, so if something has to be refreshing it, then maybe that means that there's silicon-based life there. Uh, that would be a harder sell. Um, now, uh. One of the cooler science fiction novels that I ever read, I've, in fact, I reread it every few years, uh, is called Ice World. And I forget the name of the author because things like that go. But it's, it's told from the viewpoint of an alien who has discovered, you know, who is part of a exploration party that has discovered this uh, cryogenic world where life should be impossible but there are weird signs of life on its surface and it turns out that they are silicon and sulfur based and so their baseline temperature range is five or six hundred kelvin and to them earth is an ice world yeah that you know there shouldn't be possible to have life on a planet like this it's an ice ball uh and uh he had a lot of fun with that but uh there was a some of the subplots are kind of ridiculous though in that story, but that's you know it, it, that was it was Hal Clement, Hal Clement was the author, and I want to say that was probably written in the '60s because I had already read it by the time I was a teenager, uh, and uh, it was typical of that you know it was, it was it was about the same length as Mopey. It was back when that was the standard length of novel, around sixty thousand words, uh, and. Uh, that was a speculation that was already having some traction is like, like uh, in fact, even Isaac Asimov wrote an essay called not as we know it asking if there's such a thing as life that isn't as we know it possibly based on other atomic traits or something. And of course, everyone looks down that column of the periodic table where carbon is. And the next thing down is silicon. couldn't possibly be useful for anything yeah yeah uh Yeah. um that's what in fact carbon is considered to be you know it it has all of the uh electronic properties to be the best semiconductor ever it's just fabrication 
yeah. that gets in our way because we we can't make big crystals of it easily and we can't you know shape it as easily it's uh you know but if we could make an integrated circuit out of carbon as you know basically because that that substrate would be a diamond yeah <laughs> and the de beers corporation would have something to say about the technology that could do that yeah no they wouldn't so, they would uh no i actually read an article probably close to 20 years ago called the new diamond age it was from one of the big magazines and the reporter had actually visited the companies that were working on synthetic diamonds and uh, the one that was actually aiming for integrated circuit level uh, crystals made them wear a blindfold to their fab. Wow. <laughs> and they were like, no, there are people who would kill us all if they knew what we were doing sure. and where we are. Probably, um, yeah, why wouldn't you? So, I mean, I'm not saying it's good. I mean, if you're if you're if you've got that monopoly, and this blows yeah. the whole fucking load, yeah, you hire a couple mercenaries. Yeah. So, uh, but that's the thing. You know, technology has this way of coming around to things in ways you don't expect. So, I mean, Coca-Cola has yeah. done it for less. They they hired some mercenaries in like the '90s to wipe out a town. I think somewhere in South America, that was like they were unionizing or something in a bottling plant. Yeah, but well, I mean, yeah, the the labor, yeah, the whole unionization thing is yeah, that there's a lot of dead people in the United States over that, but uh -huh. that was in the early 20th century, and now people are forgetting it. Oh, we and, toppled countries because they had the crazy idea that their resources yeah. should benefit their people. Yeah, but the it's banana like, wars, like the rubber wars, yeah, we fuck them all up. We we stole Hawaii for the. Yeah. Dow family. Something. Yeah. You know, it was, yeah. Um, so, uh, but you know, there are other ways to do things. The, you know, uh, of course, the, that company was actually trying to form crystals like the silicon crystal I showed you, but made of diamond. They were using a process like that. And I think at that time they had gotten to where they could make the crystal about the size of a quarter uh, before it started to break down. But, if you look at these, you know, all right. Oh, I didn't show you. I knew I forgot something. Silicon dioxide. Oh, that one. I like that one. This is a man-made quartz crystal. Yeah, so, it's a little, little symmetrical. So now in World War II, when radio was starting to really become a big thing, if you needed a resonating oscillator crystal, like this has a very flat slab of this inside of it. Uh, the way you got it was you went to Arkansas and they had quartz mines and they would take these giant, beautiful, clear quartz crystals that would be magnificent specimens and cut them up into little bitty chunks to make these. In the late 50s, they learned to do this. So they could take beach sand or crap quality quartz crystals and make giant, clear, perfect crystals like this one, which are actually better for radio elements. Do they use the that entire thing or is it do they take little slivers of that? Well, it's just like the uh, silicon. They cut it into little slabs. Okay, and, and there's a whole science of which angle you yeah, cut it yeah. at and you get a 
know, different properties and then the thickness tends to determine the frequency. Uh, and the reason that modern quartz crystals and radio sets aren't this big, uh, you probably can't read it, but this one's like 2,206 kilocycles. All right, so this is about a two megahertz resonant crystal. Two megahertz is like old school broadcast band. I okay. mean, nowadays everything is gigahertz. Yeah. So the smaller the crystal, the higher its resonant frequency. So these things have gotten smaller and smaller as the operating frequencies have gone up and up. So now they're using teeny little chips of quartz crystal instead of these slabs. That, you know, the, this, this thing is this big because it needs to be. Um, but that isn't the case anymore. So, uh, yeah, I shot myself in the presentation there. I was going to do no. that as part no, of the No, not at all. No. Why, why, why are, what is the value oh. of, a, of a higher? Oh, uh, there are a couple of other things. Fuck yeah. I do have. All right. How about a fossil? Okay. This little critter is called an ammonite. It's basically a sea snail. And what's nifty about this one, it doesn't really come across on the camera, is that its shell has been completely replaced by iron pyrite. Fool's gold. Mm. So it's gold. It's the yeah. color just isn't coming th through. No, you can see it. You can see some hues. Yeah, but yeah, it's not. It, that's not calcium carbonate anymore. <laughs> it's it's been replaced by iron pyrite. And I've cut these uh, apart, uh, and uh, if you split them in half, the interior has the chambers, and those have been replaced by pyrite. And sometimes they have crystals inside them Jeez. in the hollow spaces, so they're very cool. Uh, this was another thing that I thought I had more of these, but didn't. And uh, oh, and here. This is a thunder egg. Now I was thunder told to egg. present. I was told to present it like this. Okay. Okay. All right. Now what happened here? Yeah. Is this was ejected from a volcano, and the outside hardened uh -huh. while it was in the air. This particular one still had some liquid in the middle when it hit the ground. Is that the one and, line? And the rest of it formed like sedimentary linear features. So the round part is what solidified while it was flying through the air. And then the white and part then, is the... And then after it hit the ground, you get the that liquid pancake. that was still in there stratified in this flat thing why did it why did it do the stratification and then like the more like the light gray the light gray part obviously it's not flat that kind of seems more did that just cool down yeah yeah well and it, it uh forms crystal so you have the, the white part just solidified that's it the didn't form crystal and then the rest of it formed crystals but so is the white part that means that's the side that hit the ground Yes, it was. That's so and, and that, 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 in fact, that's why this is flat. You know, it's like yeah. it was a blob of molten, semi-molten rock when it hit that's the ground. That's wild. <laughs> and uh, these things actually are fairly common. 
Um, That's insane. That's so perfectly flat. Or like the white. Yeah. Well, that's gravity. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's a good point. Now, here's one. Uh, This one, instead of cutting it, uh, it was cracked with a giant chain, which was good because these are calcite crystals inside it and they would have been ruined by the saw the saw cutting fluid of a rock saw uh this completely hardened while it was still flying through the air so it is there's 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 no hint as to which side of this hit the ground because by the time it hit the ground the whole thing was hard and uh all these crystals formed while it was just the air you know because volcanoes man (laughs) What the fuck? Uh, so we used to have a couple of these that had amethyst crystals in them. I don't know what happened to those either. I've got it. I've got an. I've got a beautiful amethyst somewhere. Yeah, and uh, oh, and of course, amethyst is my birthstone. Yeah, it's beautiful. I got one that I have one. I've had it since I was a little kid, and I'm still tempted to like lick it. It just looks so tasty. <laughs> it looks like fucking candy. It's like transparent yeah. purple with like a light like b- like blue tips on it. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. And some of some of them you see uh, the where the amethyst, uh, of course, the amethyst color is due to a, an impurity. And you'll see some of them where there are stratifications where the crystal grew to a certain bit, and then the impurity wasn't there, and it grew clear for a bit, and then it started to grow more with the impurity. So you'll actually see layers, mm. and you, you you hold it up to the light, and it's like you know nested hexagonal boxes of purple it's so it's so like psychedelic they really are just well and comes out of the fucking ground yeah it's like yeah like like that you know it's like no no one cut this this is uh, what what did that is the forces, math? Yeah, the forces entropy that create that are just. It's. <laughs> are the forces at the center of the Earth strong enough to actually change the nuclei, or is that, or, or does that have to be supernova? Like if like. No, they uh, they're not they're not, not strong they're not enough. strong enough to do fusion or yeah, anything no, like that. No, no ripping apart like uranium to make. Yeah, they Smaller. are strong enough to compress the ma- uh, to compress sure. matter. Sure, yeah, diamond. You can, the, yeah. The uh, the nuclei are closer together, so that a mass drawn from the center. In fact, this is actually going to be a plot point in the next reading of the curators as to what happens in the middle of a planet. Uh, it's if you drew a chunk out of the middle of the Earth the way that we did out of the middle of the Sun in the last mm-hmm. reading, uh, it would go off like a small atomic bomb. Fuck. It would it would contain that much energy. Wow. Um not a very big but but it would it would be considerably bigger than a giant, you know, Davy Crockett and not quite as big as Fat Man. But It'd ruin it, your day. Yes. <laughs> so if you took a chunk from the center of the earth and just like magically could just teleport it to the atmosphere. It explode? It would, it would go off like an oh, I guess you're right, he's right. That much Yeah. Because it just contains that much energy. Wow. And uh, so we've done a star like the sun in the curators. In mm-hmm. the next reading, we will do a planet like the Earth and a neutron star. Fuck yeah. 
<laughs> there's and I need to find this. I forget where I, I want to say I saw it on. I thought I saw it on something credible years ago, but I have no idea if this is like something I read in a textbook or if it's something I watched high on YouTube, like in college. So I have no idea. But it was like if you had the the head of a pin was as hot as like the center of the sun, and you just like held it up, it would like cook everyone within like two miles to death. Just like that pin. That doesn't really probably not two miles. It doesn't but it would, pass the smell test for me. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, I could do the. It was like, well, I did the math on yeah. it, but I did it. I did the math for a two two kilometer radius, you know, two kilometer diameter chunk. No, no, I'm talking. Um, but head, yeah. Um, well, it's uh, 150 times denser than water, and it's at 15 million degrees Kelvin. Okay. So. Yeah, even the head of a pin is going to have a lot of energy. Now, I don't know about two miles. That that does seem like stretching the square cube law a little it's bit. Two feet from me. It's it's cooking. It's cooking. If it's me. at the end of your arm, you are wily e. coyote after it's, the stick of dynamite went it's, off. It's it's lighting. It's by by conve- not convection or conduction. Whatever the fuck radiation. It's cooking. Radiation. My whole room is igniting. Yes. Okay. It would do that for sure. Just the head of a um, pin. That yeah, arm. and. Yeah, from the center of the sun. Yeah. Yes. 150 times as dense as water. Yeah. And 15 million degrees Kelvin. So then we would just say it's how many times 150? Mhm. So it's more it's so it's more like 150 pinheads of water that's 15 million. Right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. All right, that okay, I can, I see that a little more. <laughs> it's, that's that's yeah. It's because it's not just that it's really hot; it's really dense. So, so if we spread it out to 150 <laughs> pinheads, I don't know what's that. We'll just say like a little tiny film at the bottom of a shot glass. 15 million. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, I could. Yeah. I could. I could. Yeah. Boiling it would, water. It would, will defi- wa- it would definitely set everything in your room on fire. I don't know about two miles away. That no. seems a little. I feel like it'd probably cook this building. Yeah. I mean, boiling uh, water heats. I can feel it in my kitchen when I'm just like boiling water. I can. Yeah. Well, it would set everything around it on fire immediately. <laughs> Yeah, I'd I mean gone. by thermal radiation, it's because that, that's what it is. Yeah, um, yeah. Now, every me, my bones, and my blood would be acting as a heat sink. Yeah, <laughs> uh, the center of the Earth isn't nearly that bad, but it's still pretty bad. Yeah, uh, the center of a neutron star makes that look like the vacuum of outer space. <laughs> makes the sun look like that. Yes. <laughs> So, so a pinhead of neutron star from the center, that cook that would set people on fire two miles away. That cook sure. Portland. That cook downtown <laughs> Portland. Yeah. Wow. Um, center of a black hole. Or I guess do we even know that? Is that well, physics breaks down? I didn't right? go there. Uh, and but this was one of the things that came up in the comments. In fact, uh, after I did some of these things, it was like, "Why do you do a black hole?" And I was just like, "You know." Opening a fold portal into the center of a black hole is probably just not that good of an idea. <laughs> there's no, yeah, there's no control in that. Uh, but I did have them channeling the gravity it, through the microfold to do really wicked acceleration for spaceships because, you know, we could not just teleport matter, but we could selectively teleport uh, particles, including just gravitons. So I did have uh, a couple of situations where people are portaling the uh, gravitational flux from Sagittarius 1A, the supermassive black hole at the middle of the Milky Way, and using it to propel starships. <laughs> well, that, that'll, yeah, that'll do it. 
What's I, I think it actually gets you about 25 gravities, I think. What is... Now, is it... Am I getting it wrong? Is, isn't the hottest part of the sun not the center? Isn't the, like, the... Isn't there part of the... doesn't? Isn't there some weird, like, thing, like, bell curve where there's a layer that's, like, hotter... Yeah, but you, it's like the Earth, though. It's like the Earth's upper atmosphere is stupidly hot, but it's also so thin that you would freeze to death waiting to feel it. Okay. That's the way it is with the sun. The sun's photosphere is uh, the the actual part that you see when you're looking at it isn't nearly as hot as the parts that are above it that are transparent. But, but they're just... Those don't... Uh, they, they don't contain as much energy they have, because they're, they there's not as much matter there. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, so it's like, yeah, there's a part of the Earth's atmosphere as you go up where the temperature gets stupidly high, but you would also suffocate yeah, in a matter okay. of moments. So. Yeah, it's like looking outside of like a window on like the SR-71, and it's like, yeah, it's so fucking hot, but, it, but it's like you freeze to death in a millisecond. Yeah, gotcha. so it's it's that sort of, that was the, it's like, you know, uh, you know when, when I did the uh, the one that I already read you, where they, uh, the curator's decided to take a chunk out of the middle of the sun mm-hmm. like I, I had told you uh i decided that's the way the weapon would work because the basis for this technology was established you can teleport a couple kilometer spheres of shit from here to there around the universe and uh you don't have to worry about gravitational wells or anything so it's just all right well what happens if you take a two kilometer chunk of the sun's core and expose it to space. And I ran the numbers on it and it was like, you have got to be fucking kidding me because you normally see those exponents only when you're talking about atoms, mm. you don't see them when you're talking about joules yeah. of energy. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, just and, destruction. Uh, yeah. And uh, when I was doing the neutron star, I did the, first calculation i was going to have the curator's plant orbiting a gas giant and i was going to blow up the gas giant and i realized that the curator's neutron star is seven billion years old so it's an old neutron star and neutron stars aren't fusing anymore they're cooling down now they're still not very cool by our standards but a billion, you know, a seven billion year old neutron star is still a geriatric case compared to, say, the one in the Crab Nebula that human beings observed being formed. I realized that the, if you did that with the Crab Nebula, you could blow up Jupiter. Hmm. But if you did that with a seven billion year old neutron star, you couldn't quite do that. So I had to blow up an Earth like planet instead. I'm just like I was in the mood to blow up a planet. You know, I feel, like I feel like I feel like I'm, I feel like I'm in court and I'm watching your defense. You know, like if I had to yeah. blow up, but I'm just like life without parole. <laughs> you psychopath. <laughs> I, I appreciate I appreciate the steps you've gone to, Mr. Williams. Yeah, fucking. Oh, death I didn't penalty. want to do a half-assed job. Death of penalty. It. <laughs> uh, uh, let let it be. Let it be. Let let us enter into the record. I understand where you're coming from rationally. <laughs> But you do not belong on the streets. Um, well, at least not in my own novel. No. Um, but, Raj, I'm an idiot. we got to wrap this one up. Um, I have you down for 6 p.m. this coming Sunday. We'll do the reading. Thank you for Professor Roger. I, 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 sincerely, I sincerely enjoy my Professor Roger episodes. 
I really do. You're 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 a fucking you're a great teacher. That is that is a a, a profession that you have managed to master. And well, I try. You, no, you really. You, and you, I have a lot of fun on this end of it too. You really so. no, you really do. I mean, I wouldn't I wouldn't keep doing them. I wouldn't and I wouldn't give you carte blanche by saying like this to a Professor Roger episode on what I don't care. You, yeah. you do have an ability to uh to teach that is uh, definitely yeah. commendable yeah. and inspirational. Well, thank you. Uh, I mean, part of it, though, was having something to show you to touchstone off of and all. And as you know, we had a little hiccup there when you said you want to do a Prof. Roger episode. I was like, oh, you know, we've already talked about AI. We've talked about the nukes. We've talked about this. And, and chat GPT isn't that much different yeah, from what done. we were talking about when we were talking about it. It's just it, what it has is become more public. Yeah. But it's really the same kind of thing. Uh, and yeah, it, so it's like, well, you know, it's like I never did the rock collection thing. Of course, now I've realized I don't know where a lot of my rocks are. Yeah, but there is something like poetic with like, again, you know, kind of in ancient times, it'd be like you can see the whole universe and like the, you know, like the a tiny little rock. There is something about this sort of professor episodes where we bounce things off of one another. There is something mm-hmm. symbolic about how it doesn't even necessarily have to be, you know, Ukraine, Russia, or ChatGPT, or fucking whatever. There is something poetic about how we can go into this sort of learning inquisitive mode and you yeah. just explore everything. It doesn't really matter what the starting point is. We there's been... always something else to learn. Yeah. there's, And that's true. That's as true for me as it is for anybody. Yeah. So, and that's, uh, that's what I like is we can, these exist as like entrance points and we like open it up. But then it's like, who knows where it's going to go? And that's what I like is they're more, yeah, they're more like they're entrance points. You can have a runway. There's a runway a couple miles from yeah. me. You can go anywhere from it, <laughs> but you have to have the runway. And that's how I feel with the Professor Roger episodes is it doesn't matter what the, we can go into vacuum tubes, the history of porn, whatever, all episodes we've done, tarot cards. Once we get airborne, it's like we can take this puppy anywhere. Yeah. And that's what I like. Um but yeah, it's 7.42 and I'm an absolute fucking retard. I always think that I have, I always think I can do an hour of work and hey, I have 18 minutes. I'll be able to knock everything. No, I won't. No, I won't. And yeah, I will. Well, that's why you'll notice, you'll notice you said, well, maybe we can do the reading. And I was like, I think we only have half an yeah, hour no, left. I'm a, I'm, I'm a jackass. <laughs> I'm an absolute jackass. I'll, I'll never learn. I'll never, because there's no one to make me learn. I'm my own boss. So I never penalize myself. I'm just, there's, there is no learning. I'm just a bratty child. I'm like, eh, hey, we'll do it tomorrow. I lie to myself every day and think I can. Not important. Guys, go grab the book, Metamorphosis of Prime Intellect, in the description. Um, go check out the Curator's episodes, or you can do, look at other episodes we've done, like The Gift. It's a fucking great one. And um, All indexed at localroger.com. That's L-O-C-A-L-R-O-G-E-R. Also in the description. Um, yeah. Roger. And you can buy some of them from Amazon and places like that, or Lulu in the case of... Opie, the Metamorphosis Prime Intellect. Give Roger some cheddar. Give Roger some fucking chedder. Whether neutron stars are collapsing or not, money still makes this world go around. Give, yeah. give Roger some fucking cheddar. Um, but yeah, all those links in the description. Go help Roger out. Go check out our past episodes. They're all great ones. 749, does Putin have functional nukes? That's a great episode. And um, we will resume one week from today at uh, 6 p.m. Sounds like a plan. Curators and... Uh, Till next time, Roger. Thank you so much. Always love having you on here, dude. And uh, yeah, see you in a week. See ya. God bless to everybody. Thank you so much for watching. Take care. Peace.